0: Hey, this is Jeff McLaughlin with Life After PTSD, and you are listening to our 100th episode celebration. When we launched the show on December 30th, 2018, we had no idea that we would ever get to a 100th episode. While we've barely scratched the surface of our potential, it's been an incredible ride nonetheless. Without stories, we don't have a show, and we decided that the best way to celebrate our journey would be to bring back some of the favorite stories and let the audience see that they are still thriving. We're serious about our belief that PTSD is not an illness, but rather an injury that can heal, and these stories are the proof. Since we had several good ones we wanted to reconnect with, we decided to make this a two-part episode. On part one of our 100th episode celebration, we heard from Sean and Cynthia George from episode 33, who were coming from the Virgin Islands. Danny Devine from Episode 62 calling in from Canada. And finally, Todd and Mary Millsaps from Episode 11 calling in from North Carolina. Today, you're going to hear from Ali Sullivan from Episodes 24 and 27 calling in from Parkland, Florida. Luke Baker from Episode 52 calling in from Ontario. And finally, Dakota from Episode 68 calling in from the Bahamas. Again, thank you for supporting us through 100 episodes. Here's to 100 more and let's roll. Imagine a world in which post-traumatic stress no longer robs from millions who suffer. You
1: don't wanna get help because you're embarrassed.
0: You don't wanna tell people the dark stuff that you've went through. That stigmatism of you can't talk to people, it is so true. Post-traumatic stress is not a disorder. It's an injury that can be healed quickly so that those who suffer get back to thriving in their families communities and mission
2: and i said i yeah. don't want to I, I can't i don't want to live this trauma again
0: yeah. And because yeah. you don't
3: have to yeah. and i said yeah. what the experts they forgot to tell me i can heal i didn't know that i can get rid of ptsd
0: each week we tell a skeptical world what is possible with stories of those who have successfully cured their trauma
2: i just remember being able to stand by the water and look up at the sky and hear the noises and I didn't think they were gunshots. I was like, those are Disney fireworks. I
4: don't even know what to imagine for myself now, my future, because I have one.
0: This is Life After PTSD, well, I want to welcome everybody to another episode of Life After PTSD. Guys, I, I don't know that we ever thought we would get to 100 episodes when we started this thing out. We just knew we wanted to tell you know, a few stories, and, and today we're continuing to celebrate uh, now that journey of having reached 100 episodes on this show. We've been doing this show since December 30th, 2018, and uh, on our last show, we had the first of six guests, first three of six guests that we're uh, reconnecting with and revisiting just to connect and see how they're doing now and uh and, uh, you know, a part of it's kind of to glow to live and to say, hey, what we're doing is legitimate. And we want those stories to be known. We want people, we want sufferers out there to know that uh, there is hope. And um, And long after we told the original stories, Of the six that we selected to be a part of this hundredth episode celebration, they're still thriving. And so today we're going to continue uh, that journey. Last week we got to hear from some uh, just some favorites of ours for sure. We started by talking to Sean and Cynthia George, uh, who were calling in from the U.S. Virgin Islands. Kicked it right over to Danny Devine, who was calling in from Ontario, and then finished that episode with Todd and Mary Millsaps, who were up in uh, the North Carolina area. And uh, today we've got some amazing guests, and we're going to start with Ali Sullivan of Parkland, Florida. How are are you
2: (laughs) i'm good thank you for having me
0: oh my gosh are you kidding me it's our honor all right so ali you are also like danny you you made it to the the intro role for us um because just a girl that says man i remember going back and hearing that noise and realizing those were not gunshots those were disney fireworks all right so ali you you um your mom and i have actually exchanged texts over the the months over years i guess since we've worked with you because we live here in orlando and Being a dad who has girls, I have boys as well, but who has girls um, prior to COVID, Disney was a regular adventure, and fireworks were our thing. And I just remember hearing your story, and it just that was um, probably of all of the episodes, yours may have been one of the most dear to my heart because I couldn't, I I just couldn't picture my own daughters being in that situation. And so you were a Marjorie Stoneman. Let me say that again: you were a Marjorie Stoneman Douglas. High school student and being a fellow Coral Springs Parklander from that area, that's uh, also affinity that we share. Um, tell us, uh, tell us the the nutshell version of of kind of your story and really how you got involved with working with uh, your therapist down there.
2: Okay, so about a year after the shooting, I started going to therapy. I finally brought myself to get some help because all of the triggers were getting a little bit too much to deal with in my everyday life. So. I went to my therapist and she told me that she had been trained in this new therapy and she really wanted to try it with me. And I was only the second person she's done it with. The other one was actually one of my friends. And it was actually really, really special that I had been her second patient to do that on. And I had no idea if it would work, but I wanted to try it. I was open to it. and. I was shocked at how well it worked because after my first clearing, I had actually gone to Disney World and I was able to listen to the fireworks, which is really special to me. And I was just really grateful for that. And ever since, I've been doing super well and it's been very different. Like you guys said, i was been able to sleep through the night and everything. So... Yeah, I was really grateful for that.
0: <laughs> I, I just, I, I'm, I i don't know if you knew this or not, but your therapist, Alan, what, Carrie, what, a month trained maybe or something like <laughs> that? Like in, in, you know, the modality. Lori okay. Norman, South Florida. Yeah. And I love, I so I love that Lori got trained in what, the Parkland training, that first Parkland training? I think that was, uh, Absolutely. what? Absolutely. Yeah, was that February, January. Alan? F- January? Yeah, January of 2019. twenty-fifth nineteen. Yeah, there you go. So, within, I don't know what just a few weeks, you know this this clinician who had gotten her you know traditional schooling, master's degree, et cetera, et cetera, has the courage to go to a training where Alan stands up and basically challenges the model, right? I mean, Alan, there's no other way of saying that that you know, no disrespect to therapy, but for a lot of that, and Carrie knows this as well, and Carrie does the the same I- idea here that a lot of uh, a lot of the training that therapists get basically, you know, either doesn't prepare them for trauma. Or um, sort of programs the message that says this is something that can't be, you know, clear that can't be healed that it is an illness or whatever. And so Lori gets trained, right? I mean, Alan, I mean, she jumps in and then a couple of weeks later is working with two students from from Douglas High School in Parkland. I mean, that's pretty fearless, yeah. isn't it? Jeff,
3: in that room there was 30, 32, I think, uh, clinicians, and I asked the part of the school of psychology is a group of people who believe that you have to feel to heal. You have to express your pain yeah. to open a window to healing. And when I ask how many people in this room are feel-to-heal people, had to be close to three quarters. And, and here I, here I am at the front of the room saying to everybody, you know, we're going to do this and it's going to be content-free. And, and, and not only, I don't need them to feel. In fact, I'm going to keep them perfectly calm and safe to the best of my ability the whole way through. The antithesis, the polar opposite of the feel-to-heal movement.
0: It's unbelievable. And- Ali, when you go through the I mean, I, I know that <laughs> you want to be a good sport, essentially, is what I'm hearing and wanted to, you know, give uh, you, you already had a, a decent relationship already with Lori, I know. Um, and so certainly had some you know, there was some credibility and rapport there. Uh, what were you thinking as you go through uh, the protocol the first time?
2: Honestly, I was just trying to stay on top of it and to try to, because we were both kind of going through it together because she was still learning how to do it and everything. So we were just kind of in it together, but it was honestly, I it was my favorite thing that we had tried so far and I felt comfortable with it the whole entire time. Like I was actually kind of enjoying it, not going to lie. It was it was actually kind of fun. I That sounds crazy, but it was pretty fun to just kind of go through it and it was relaxing. And I knew that it was working like from the, when I started it, I already started feeling it working. And yeah. from that first yeah. time we left, I was tired, but I was like, I was really just excited about it. So. Ali, when you excited- walked
0: away from that and, uh, in the subsequent weeks and months, and really even that, since that time, you know, you, you went back into, in, into school. I mean, you were already in school mm-hmm. at that point, but you know, you're having conversations with with kids that are that are still struggling, that are still traumatized and everything, what what were those conversations like for you, you know, talking to your friends and other kids that were, you know, that were wrecked and, and know the word for it on February 14th, 2018?
2: I was kind of encouraging everybody to get some help because a lot of people were still feeding into the stigma that they didn't want to go to therapy and all of that kind of stuff. But sure. like during, we would have fire drills and like it would just happen randomly. And I would see how traumatized all my fellow classmates still were. And it was really, really hard to watch everybody when I knew that there was a cure for it. So I was really just trying to encourage everybody to try this and showing them that it actually worked for me so that they would get help too. But for some people, it just, they didn't want to give it a chance, but yeah. Honestly, it was a little frustrating at times to see it. And I was just like,
0: well, and and, and, to... and so Alan and Carrie, I want you guys to speak to that because that very frustration that she talks about, I think that you guys see a lot as well. You see, you know, where people are healing and then there is resistance. And so it's for whatever reason. And, uh, you know, you want to stand and scream from the rooftops and say, guys, this is what is possible. You know for your life and yet there are still those who are who are traumatized and suffering i mean alan i know that sometimes we've talked about this and you know we feel like some days you feel like you kind of have the the cure for cancer and nobody wants to listen or or not at the world doesn't want to listen some do right but the world doesn't want to so speak to that same dynamic that ali was feeling if you guys would
3: uh if if dr ben and i were on the call together the body and knowledge that's emerging about unresolved trauma preceding cancer. We might have the cure for a lot of cancer, to be honest. That's
0: the truth. Yeah, Clear
3: trauma, clear cancer.
0: And that's a shout out, uh, by the way, to Dr. Ben Raw, He's been on the show before, who does the uh, Design to Heal podcast. Great show. little plug there because I do the show for him. So, <laughs> Go ahead, Ali,
3: Ali. Ali said something that, you know, I'm not a licensed mental health care worker. I'm in the complementary system. And, and so I'm very cautious. I'm not allowed to use the word cure. But at the end of the day, when the research is completed in the next three to five years by the people who are doing research at places like the uh, Uniform Services Hospital at Walter Reed or at King's College, when that research is published and also Karim Nader at McGill University doing reconsolidation memories, the work we do... um, reconstructs the memory in the, in the form that there's uh, new protein synthesized. Every, it is a cure, Ali, you use the right word, but I'm not allowed to say that word. I don't think Kerry can. We, I, I, I do crisis intervention and ameliorating symptoms. I have to pussyfoot around this, makes me crazy, but you use the word, thank you for saying it. The other thing is I think senior management. I just, I went public uh, last week with Mayor Brooks and, you know, Sean, you'll appreciate this. When you get promoted, people who normally get promoted are people who haven't exhibited symptoms of mental illness, including post-traumatic stress. If you've got 50 people in the promotion queue and 20 of them have exhibited post-traumatic stress, you don't promote them. So the people, when they get to the top, first, they don't even they didn't even believe that it's possible. They say, I saw all sorts of stuff. I didn't get trauma. Those people must be weak. And you bump up against that in senior management. And then the other side is senior management wants to say senior. They're afraid of making mistakes. They're afraid of trying something new. I spoke to the fire captain here in town when we first opened our center. We invited him to the open house. And, he, and there's a residential program in my city that does eight weeks trauma uh, healing. You come out, you're medicated, you're isolated, but you're not healed. And he, and he, he would not come to my open house he would not come to the open house to, to learn anything new. And I had Shane Dabrowski, an EMS guy who'd been traumatized so bad, he had life debilitating hives. And I had one of the leading experts in the research of trauma, public speaking, and the fire chief would not come. So that same thing you're running into the schools, I don't the elected officials don't want to make mistakes. People at the top, they want to go with the status, what's proven. And, and I'm sorry, we're in that... We're in that phase where we're going to disprove and and helping coaching people isn't my life's work anymore. It's crashing through that ceiling is my life's work now, right? And Mm. teaching other people how to do the healing.
0: Mm, mm. Such a good word. Hey, Ali, I want to ask you something real quick. I remember on the episode, you said something about, um, you know, just you knew that something was off. The grades were starting to fall a little bit too. And that was not you. You were, you know, much higher, you know, higher Performing student, I guess I should say, that was sophomore year. I think mid sophomore year when the shooting happened. Um, mm-hmm. Hey, how'd you finish school? How'd, you just graduated. How'd you do?
2: Yeah, I got straight A's. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, and had I got a, A's I had in hunch. my first two summer college classes as well. Good for
0: you. Good for you. I mean. Thank you. Ali I I'd vote to change the law right now if we could we could make it younger we get you to be the president sooner than later that would be a very good thing in America but you might have to make <laughs> you might have to be 35 before that happens but we're definitely rooting for you there and uh, just if you would speak to that real quick I want you to speak to the grade factor just that the academic performance that increased after you know working on your trauma and then also you know Ali what would you say to the kids I mean it's 70 something episodes later after we had you the very first time what do you say to kids that are that are still reeling and dealing from what happened two years ago. Any thoughts on that?
2: Honestly, it took three hours to just basically, like I said earlier to cure you from PTSD and they constantly tell you that it's not curable and it's not something that can be fixed and that you just have to cope with it. But that's not true. There's a cure for it now. You can get better. And it really did affect my grades, my brain, because it's like there's constantly things going on in your head. You can't focus on one thing at a time when you have trauma. There's a whole bunch of other things your brain wants to focus on. So when you're trying to focus on schoolwork, listening classes, you're always afraid of something that might happen. There's always it's like you're having a whole bunch of windows open in your brain like on a computer it makes your computer slow down a little bit so
5: <laughs> that's a good once analogy you get
2: those, <laughs> once you get those windows cleared it makes things a lot easier to perform so once i didn't have to worry about everything once my brain was working a little bit better i was able to be six su- be more successful than i was earlier so. yeah
0: absolutely hey are you going to study neuroscience and go and bring some of this research mainstream <laughs> so we can finally you know bark at the institution a little bit and get them to change their ways what do you think
2: I actually am planning to work at Disney, so I don't know. <laughs> okay, right, that's
0: fair. <laughs> that's fair. And, and can you bring the fireworks back? When are you going to tell them to turn the fireworks back on, man? Because my daughters are itching to go. They right. yeah. need to see it. That's awesome. <laughs> hey, thanks for sharing your story for first of all, for coming on the first time. I mean, you were still in school I mean you were what, I, maybe a junior by that point, I think. And uh, I, I would not have had the courage as a junior in high school to do something like anything like that. And you jumped on and you were amazing. And you did again tonight. Thank you uh, for sharing. We wish you the best and look forward to continue tracking with your story. So thanks, Allie.
2: Thank you for having me. Uh,
0: No worries. All right, guys. Well, that's one down and two to go. And if you like that, it's going to get even better. And we're going to take a break here, though, in a second. Give our listeners a time to breathe. You are listening to Life After PTSD.
2: Hey, Life After PTSD listeners. We're glad that you love other stories of healing. But what about you? First Orlando Counseling is the premier trauma therapy center in Central Florida with a full staff of trained clinicians ready to help you clear your trauma without re-traumatization. Childhood abuse, relationship abuse, a traumatic car accident, birth trauma, first responder or military trauma, even phobias. You don't have to live like this. It's time for you to heal. Schedule a consultation today by visiting firstorlandocounseling.com or call 407-514-4470 that easy.
0: We are back with Life After PTSD. Just heard an amazing story from Ellie Sullivan. It was great to reconnect with her. And now we're going to make a big jump and go to the Great White North, as I like to call it, Ontario, Canada. And let's hear from Luke Baker. Luke, man, I just, come on, come on, brother. Unmute and let's, let's have a little conversation here. And Alan, I want you to set this one up because Luke is, Luke is one of Alan's guys, right? And uh, you got to bring him on the show. So why don't you guys set up the dynamic value you guys met and then you uh, kind of take it from there and tell us what we need to know and how Luke's doing now.
3: I don't know how Luke found me. <laughs> I really don't. But I know that uh, the system had failed him miserably. And I had my, then I had my little office downtown on the little second story, right? And uh, in NLP, in my school of NLP, we're always taught when we meet a client to ask, how could, how could this client possibly be stuck in this state? And so when I met Luke, here I'm, I'm looking at a guy. He's about the same size as me. He's young. He, he's handsome. He's fit. And he's stuck. And he's stuck. And when I started hearing his story, it's another one of those stories that left go, left unchecked, it's a road to nowhere, right? And and Luke will tell his own story, but I remember on the first night, you know, when we're getting to know each other, this is this is a high performance athlete. This this is a very smart high performance athlete. And for anybody who's played sports, the number is four twenty two, right, Luke? You got him, man. Four twenty two. So he was a three hundred hitter who immersed himself in the psychology of sports and the next season, he hit 422. If you have a batter on your team that hits 422, you get him up to bat as much <laughs> as you can. He was a killer. And he was the MVP in the league for that. And uh, you know, and then while Luke and I worked together, um, his passion for the game came back. And, and Luke will tell you the story where where he got back to but not, not as a player anymore, but as a manager. So I, th- I think I'll let Luke pick up the story here, if that's okay.
1: Yeah, as uh, Alan was saying, I met him. Uh, gosh, I, so I discovered Alan and found Alan through searching for a better way. I hadn't gotten help uh, after um, being attacked. Um, with my daughters uh, in view and in the room is kind of a messy scene anyways long story short Uh, I spent two years not really doing anything about it Um, was stuck as Alan said and uh, started looking for help after realizing I was in some trouble Uh, separation happened and whatnot and uh, as I uh, was looking for help I reached out to a number of different people and uh, you know probably I'd say a handful or more had uh, contacted me back and I'd seen maybe a couple people, but, um, similar to what, uh, Sean was talking about earlier with, um, different types of therapy, talk therapy and that, uh, it was the type of thing that just drove me bananas, uh, put me right back into where I was. Um, uh, it never made me feel any better. It was always worse by the time I left. So, um, when I was, uh, we actually contacted Alan and I think he was down south putting some work in. I think it was in, uh, I think you were in Mexico somewhere, New Mexico or something to that effect. And he called me back about a week later after I reached out to you and you're like, Hey man, sorry. Da, da, da. Um, yeah. Basically the way it went down is I was working five days a week, 12 hours a day. Traditional therapists wouldn't see me because of the time frame and that. And Alan's like, man, when can you meet? i like, I don't know, man, Saturday uh, Saturday evening. He's like, yeah, yeah, what do you want? I'm like, six o'clock work? He's like, yeah, sure, great. I'm like, all right, cool, man. This guy's uh, willing to help out. So it was uh, very cool right away. And then I went in, sat down, chatted with Alan for about uh, three hours, which was shocking because time wasn't uh, didn't seem to matter to him, which was amazing as well because he was more caring about myself. And the thing I think I felt most fascinating was the fact that he didn't ask really one question about what happened. He asked me about my watch. He asked me about what, you know all these different things. The room as a kid and yada yada and uh, it was fascinating. And I was like, what is this guy up to? Uh, but at the end of the day, I, I remember leaving feeling good. So, uh, anyways, went through the uh, the process with Alan and uh, was able to clear my trauma. Uh, the emotion attached to that event was completely cleared within a matter of minutes when we actually sat down and worked through it. Uh, and yeah, so uh, at the time before that, nah, I used to play ball. I was big into it. Um, loved the game, loved playing. I stopped doing everything I kind of loved. I was coaching and, and doing all sorts of work with uh, athletes. And uh, I kind of re- just started reclusing and, and getting away from all those things, getting away from the people that I knew. Uh, really, uh, again, kind of a lot of stuff that Sean was saying earlier, just being silenced and silencing myself and uh, keeping everything in, letting it build and stew and brew and uh, – um, after visiting Allen and getting through that, we went through the coaching process and, uh, you know, we talked about passions and things that kind of, you know, light, light us up. And, uh, you know, ball is that one thing for me that lights me up. And so uh, long story short, um, I, I got back into ball. I got back into coaching and uh, managed uh, the team that I played for for quite some time for the last two years. And we had uh, very good seasons and, and uh, had a lot of fun. And and through that process of just found myself again and feel like, Yeah, I can't even explain it. it, I'm sure you all here can relate, uh, which is a beautiful thing. It's actually very nice to share this floor with all of you. So um, it's very cool hearing your stories as well. Um, But yeah, so I felt, I I still feel great. Every day, uh, you know, life is challenging and we run through them, but uh, I'm doing things that I love and I'm following those passions. And I thank Alan and uh, NLP and everything that uh, is being done behind the scenes. Again, I wish this was more mainstream, but uh, Alan's working his butt off. Carrie, you're working your butt off. Everybody here is doing stuff to add to that, and I love it. It's amazing.
3: And and, and Luke, you've gone back to school to get retrained as a financial planner now
1: and, and started your new career, right? Absolutely. Yeah, that was actually uh, an area of my life that I was horrible at. And uh, <laughs> talk about doing things that uh, put us out of our comfort zones. I uh, had to tackle that beast, and it was something that I, I put off for way too long, and Yeah, I've uh, gone back, done my schooling, I'm in the field now, and uh, I'm loving it, surprisingly. It was something I avoided like the plague before, but, uh, you know, just diving into things and uh, seeing where it takes me, so it's great.
0: Luke, I got to tell you something, man. I, I just remember hearing, when you were telling your story on that first episode, I mean, it was just one of those, like, I'm imagining what happened to you in my mind. I was cringing for you, and it was just nuts, and I'm just going, man, this is just, we're talking to this good guy here Right, that literally had in a in a moment, you know, just something stolen his, uh, you know, his uh, his sanity really. I mean, his, his his sense of safety, all of that kind of thing. And, you know, I, you're you're one of the certainly one of the most unique faces of PTSD that we've had, you know, on the show. We've had a lot, certainly a lot of military first responders, things like that. But you know, you're one of those stories you kind of like never see, you know, coming. W- what? But there are people out there that are listening to this show, and they are you right before you did the work that you did and what, what would you say to those people what do you you know you can speak to them more uniquely than any of us
1: yeah um again i'm gonna go back to uh, a lot of the things that sean said earlier really uh, hit home for me um people stay silent people don't talk it's uh, i don't know uh, the culture that we're brought up into and uh I'm, it's literally if just speaking just getting out there um uh, finding like I, I literally i've been doing the um uh, 25 push-ups for mental health for 25 days and uh trying to add some value and some solutions and things i've learned along the way uh, books i've started reading because i went and got help uh, all these amazing things so uh, just getting out there talking about it to start uh, looking for some help you know just taking little steps little steps to get going and then uh, yeah um uh, if they could uh, I've already, I've already wrapped Alan. I've already talked about uh, Alan and NLP, but I'm going to continue to go back to that. And uh, yeah, it's, um, outside of just uh, getting some help and doing anything you can, reading books, doing anything, anything, anything you can do.
0: Get educated, right? Learn what's possible. That's what I'm hearing yeah. you say. Yeah. it's incredible. Hey man, uh, Alan, any other, any other thoughts for him? You want to, you want to say some words to this guy and encourage him?
3: Yeah, he doesn't need much encouragement. He hits 422, you know, (laughs) but it it was interesting that when Luke came to me, I got another young man that same summer, very similar circumstance, both had been violently attacked and woke up, uh, you know, Luke woke up a couple hours later, this other gentleman woke up four days later. And, and we forget that there are barroom fights and there's brawls and people get hit all over the place. And the person that gets attacked, even in domestic violence, be seriously traumatized and their life starts going sideways so i i you know thanks you know luke for having the courage come on both times and and share that and i'm i'm just excited because you know i i I stay in touch with luke and i see the the growth and the progress and uh, there's nothing but uh, blue sky so thank you
0: thank you sir all right man dakota Guys, in 2019 and what, I, I'm believing. Dakota, what was the date? I, I thought I heard September 5th. That was the, What was the day that Dorian hit? September 1st. September 1st. And, uh,
4: and didn't leave until when?
5: Uh, probably somewhere in the early morning of September
4: 2nd. So, you know, D- and Dakota is moving to uh, Canada here soon. Well, I don't know. When are you moving to Canada?
5: From what we're estimating, it should be January
4: Oh, okay. January.
3: Yeah. Get Where are you moving to Dakota? Uh,
5: Prince Edward Islands. I'm doing college uh, with Holland College. Culture shock. <laughs> you know, have you been there yet? Uh, no, but I actually have a family member who's been attending university, a PEI up there. Yeah. And she says
3: it's wonderful. It is, man. But uh, it's probably one of the most picturesque, but quaint and quiet. You know, you got to You got to like a five-mile causeway to cross a big body of water to get there.
5: Oh my goodness! Yeah, it's beautiful.
0: That's, it's kind Alan, of perfect Alan, for he, you. I coming was gonna from say he lives out Island. in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean, man. So come on, <laughs> this is like this is gonna be perfect. Just a little bit cooler in the winter, right? That's all. <laughs> Dakota, tell me, uh, I, you know, first of all, you kicked off our second season, and you know, basically, here, here's how this got presented to me. I mean, you gotta understand, Alan and Carrie send messages randomly at times hey i got this guest i got this amazing person which gets me jazzed it's always exciting but carrie's telling me about you first of all she tried to get me on some rickety little airplane to fly down to the bahamas I already have an issue with flying anyway right she says oh don't worry it'll be fine comes back and tells me yeah it was pretty bad like i didn't think we were gonna make it i'm like carrie this is not helping things you should
3: clear that i should
0: i should clear that at some point maybe maybe a guy in canada can do that for me but anyway carrie comes back and tells me about you and says uh yeah we got this we got this guy dakota we can get on here and so we get you on the first you know the first episode of season two and first of all dakota right away i knew that you were a special uh young man just it's so polite so well spoken and everything and oh, just what, such let's, a, let me you know, interrupt
4: there i need you to interrupt yeah what i said is he's he's kind of quiet i don't know if he'll say much oh my gosh she didn't he didn't stop talking he was amazing <laughs> and have Jeff sexy jeff's texting me going is this the right kid? Is this the one you said was kind of shy?
0: Where's like, the quiet he's so kid, Carrie? <laughs> he
4: was such a good job. So, it was funny. I was like, "No, this is him." There's
0: not another one. Dakota, you're on yeah. September 1st. I mean, you, we, I remember us posting on social media a picture that you had sent me that looked out. I think the front of of the of, of your house, and um, I I thought I was looking at the ocean, man. I mean, I literally did, and it was supposed to be land.
5: Yeah. It that was actually a picture taken from my uncle's house. Uh, Uh, yeah. It's not that far of a distance, but yeah, that, like that was like 15 feet.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And you lived through that. You experienced that along with a whole slew of people on, on the islands out there. And, uh, Hey, if you would just tell us the, tell us the, you know, the nutshell of kind of the trauma that you experienced and then how you and Carrie met.
5: Well, to put it as simple as I can, um, few days before the hurricane, everybody was talking about how this could be another hurricane, Floyd, and parents talking about how, you know, some things that might not happen after this hurricane, like schools might shut down, et cetera, like not as bad as what we thought it would be. And September 1st, slowly as the morning kept going and going, like eight o'clock in the morning wasn't so bad. Nine o'clock started getting bad. Eleven o'clock, really bad. 12 o'clock, water pours in. Like We had to swim out of our house and hang on to the front front part of our house with the railings and wait there for 30 minutes while the eye was slowly passing over us. And after that, we swam over to my uncle's house and basically stayed there for the next week or so, just trying to figure out what we could do from there, trying to think about who's alive, who's not. Who do we have to worry about? What's going to happen if this thing turns around, et cetera. Like this is just within the simple week of when I was supposed to begin my last year in high school, like my, my final walk through and start my life. But sometimes things just happen.
0: Dakota, prior to that, I mean, you you had a, a pretty normal life, right? For all intents and purposes, you know, largely trauma-free, if not entirely right. I mean, that thing was was earth-shaking for you, wasn't it, that day?
5: Yeah, it was. Uh, coming from a life of just knowing no actual trauma or anything beyond what I would really deem trauma or something traumatizing, it's, it's a lot. Just being... 17, you know, you're just beginning your life and then all of a sudden you're experiencing almost dying and almost losing everything you have or the people that you love so much all in one day.
0: Yeah, yeah. Hey, man, tell me, what was it again that you first, like, what what was the first indicator for you where you said, man, something, you know, in the aftermath where you knew personally, right, that, man, something's, there's trauma, there's something not right here. How did you know? Um.
5: Well, to be honest.
4: Your grandmother said you have to come talk
0: to someone. Yeah, sometimes others notice for us, don't they? But uh...
5: (laughs) that's the funny thing. The trauma didn't really set in until months after. Like, my brain just managed to push it all away until it felt like it was ready to deal with it. And a few weeks after we actually reached Spanish Wells, my grandma was like, So there's a therapist on the island, and she would like to talk to you and I was like okay I don't really see why I need to go to a therapist but I'll do it anyway just to make you feel better and that's when I met Carrie and she was and that's what he said
4: I- I'm here just to make my grandmother feel better so you know I don't really have anything to talk about I'm a little anxious but but I don't really have anything to talk about but I need to make my grandmother feel better so I said well you want to try this thing that I do he said he was so polite in his lovely <laughs> accent and said I mean, I'm a sucker for accents. uh, Sure, I'll I'll try it.
0: So she runs the protocol with you, right? Dakota, I mean, tell me what you're thinking when this is going down. How's that rolling for you?
5: Yeah, I kind of sat there just trying to explain to the best of my ability what it was like and what I felt from it. At, At that time, I didn't feel much. I was just happy that all my family survived and we were able to get out of that terrible situation and just you know, put a new step into life and see where we could go from
0: there. Mm-hmm. Dakota, you're going to school in Canada now, right? Which is pretty cool. Alan said, man, you just, you like apparently these... Oh, a few uh, more months. Well, a few more months, but you like these places that are, uh, that are new and different for sure. I love it. Going to Prince. you know. Um, there, there's others who are, who are out there, whether they experienced what you experienced in Dorian or, you know, just, you know, the, the, the teenagers, the young adults of the world out there that have experienced trauma in their own uh, realm, You know, a word of encouragement you might say to them. You've you've gone through the process of having your world rocked and sort of getting on the other side of 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 that, and you know, healing from that trauma. What what do you say to them?
5: I would say, no matter how bad it looks, always put your best foot forward, no matter what. That may be simple, but that's probably the best advice that I ever got from somebody.
4: And I think for you, you had no idea that something. You know, I think when you started, when we started talking, you said, "Well, yeah, you know, I'm going to do this for my grandmother," and well, I do have some anxiety. And then you start talking about, it. you're like, well, actually, I kind of have a lot of anxiety. I do worry about things. I, and then as we started going through the protocol and, and, you know, I asked you a number, you know, where are you, you know, and you said, um, oh, I might be six. And then as you talked about the situation, you're like, oh, well, maybe I'm with eight. And then when we finished, you were like, oh, this, this is no big deal. Like, I'm fine now. I can talk about it and told this, you know, you Talked more about it, and then I was so shocked when we, you know, it was a couple months later when we talked with Jeff on the podcast, and you shared the whole entire story in great detail. I mean, I'll tell you, I'll tell you a little secret: your story is why my kids actually like the podcast and share it with their friends. Um, Allie, they've heard your story, but for some reason, that's it's really more we, scary to them. We like you we were a Dakota. lot newer than
0: too, yeah. Uh-huh.
4: That's true, You are newer than
0: yeah. Um Dakota, you but made yeah, us cool. Just, Thank you. We appreciate that, man. <laughs> no, we'll try not cool to. We'll try not kid, to, so we'll try not so to ruin good. it, man. That's all.
4: <laughs> no, but but one of the things you said was, you know, I, I I realized that this did affect me and it did affect my thinking and school, kind of like what Allie said about school. Um, you know, a little bit about just affecting your thinking and you, you felt like things were more settled, and and not as a little bit after we did the protocol, but as you went over the weeks and the months afterwards, you realized, and that's part of what memory consolidation does. You know, a little bit happens right away. And sometimes a lot happens right away. But often as we go through the next few days and months, you start noticing. Um, I think Sean and Cynthia said this too. It's like certain things like, oh, I'm responding to this differently. This feels different. This feels more okay than I thought it would feel. And um, and that's part of the beauty of, of what we do with memory reconsolidation. But yeah, I thank you so much for allowing me to be a part of Part of your journey there. I'm excited to hear about going to college because that's one of the things you were worried about. Were you going to be able to do that, right? What was going to happen that was changing?
5: Yeah, it was all uncertain. Just not, I was convinced that I was going to have to drop school entirely and focus on a job and try and support my family the best I could.
0: Dakota, you're going to college, buddy. All right. You you got a future ahead of you. You got a world to change, and uh, and and you're gonna do that. Uh, you guys are, uh, especially you you youngins that were on the, the show with us and have been on these episodes, are just inspiring to us. We just um, we have such I have such faith in the generation that's taking. You know, I, I know that a lot of times that's not the message that comes to you guys, and I just I think it's nonsense. Like they the world does not see the kids that I see. And I, I see it in you, I see it in Ali and, and others that we get to meet and um, you guys are incredible. And so, you know, again, it's our job to get you guys ready for that, you know, to, to get you trauma-free when when that's a possibility for us. And uh, and we're um, we're grateful for that opportunity for sure. Hey, man, thanks for sharing. Thanks for being a, a part of this. And, and I hope you'll stay in touch and keep us up to speed with what you're doing in the future as well. We want to know.
5: Well, thank you so much for letting me be here. And I just want to say to everybody here, I'm so glad that, I can talk to other people that have faced not similar experiences, but have faced similar consequences.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a great word. And Alan and Carrie, as we wrap up today, I think that's, uh, that's so well said because there is something that happens in community here. I always steal the Beatles line about, we all get by with a little help from our friends. And I just, I, as I look at this sort of, you know, board of of faces and, and who they are and, and I look at them and I get to see, the journey that they've been on. I get to see, you know, the, the stories that we've gotten to tell. And I, I just look at this and I go, man, healing happens because of what we know about the brain, but healing also happens because of the people that are surrounding us. And healing happens when we know that others are healing as well. And I, that's, to me why it's been worth it doing the show there's been times where it literally we're you know editing episodes at the 11th hour to drop on a on a monday morning and you know carrie's known there's been times where it's like oh man why are we doing this like i'm just there's been burnout and and things like that but guys this charges us i mean seeing y'all's faces charges us and i'm looking forward to man what happens at episode 200 you know when this board is bigger there's more faces to you know to celebrate with and frankly i think that um you know, you guys have already been commissioned to the team. We always say that when we do these episodes, that welcome to the team, right? This is the team of clearing trauma and, and healing the world. And so I, um, I'm so grateful for every, every single one of you. Um, and before I kind of wrap up the show today, Alan and Kerry, you got any last words you want to say to, uh, to this uh, wonderful group here?
3: It's profound when you hear seven stories. And when you start listening to the literature of intention, especially when groups of people come together with the same intent, and that we can impact people at a distance by focusing on somebody or something as a group. Tonight we're a group of seven, all focused on one thing to, to ameliorate the consequences when we've experienced traumatic things. And, and you, guys, you guys all know people who you've suffered and you know other people who are suffering. And again, that big problem is the system. We've got to get through the system because, you know, Dakota didn't think he was going to go to school, and Allie couldn't enjoy Disneyland or Disney World in her career. And Danny had given up hope, and Todd was thinking about checking out. And, and, you know, Sean was having less than admirable thoughts, and certainly Luke was struggling. And they don't have to imagine a world where they don't have to struggle anymore. They're not, right? They're evidence that what we do works. And so, for anybody that listens, and all the people that listens, Imagine that you can be trauma-free because it's possible. And uh, these are seven of hundreds. And I think of the people we've trained now, we trained 150 licensed clinicians. This is seven of probably 10,000 stories that are possible. Mm. And I think if we collectively focus our intention at making sure everybody knows that overcoming PTSD is possible, then it is possible. And so I just ask you guys to, to hold that thought that trauma is an injury that can heal. And as long as we hold that thought and we share it with everybody, then we'll win.
0: All right. To our listeners out there, um, you've heard the stories. You've heard the proof. These are past episodes that have come back here at 100 for Life After PTSD to say that they're still thriving and still have amazing futures ahead. You've heard their dreams. You've heard what they're up to. And uh, this means something to you. You have someone in your life. Don't act, don't sit on your hands and act like there's not someone in your life if it's not you yourself that is affected by trauma. And so we desperately need our plea for you is to share what we're doing on this show. That's the only thing we've ever asked of this place. And you doing that will perhaps enable somebody to reach out as some of these have through Facebook, through Instagram, through social media, to get connected, to fly from other countries, perhaps, and be a part of the healing process. And so we thank you for supporting us and continuing to support us. We drop episodes every single Monday. Knock that subscribe button on whatever platform you are using, and you will know about it. And we will catch you next week, as we always do here on Life After PTSD. To learn more about our work, visit lifeafterptsd.org. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to support the show, give us a five-star review and share it with your tribe. Become a patron at patreon.com lifeafterptsd. Life After PTSD is produced by Jeff McLaughlin. For production inquiries or to sponsor the show, email info at lifeafterptsd.org.